Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to a Thunder and Lightning Extra here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Hayat. All of our Thunder and Lightning Extras are brought to you by our friends over at College Corner. Check them out online at collegecornerstore.com or visit either of their locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet or in Flowood by Half Shell. And they have the biggest and best selection of Mississippi State or any college team here in the States merchandise. Black Friday is coming up. You want to do your shopping for the college fan in your life or just get yourself something nice, check out our friends over at College Corner, the best selection, MSU, Ole Miss, Southern Mississippi, logo wear, gear, tailgating supplies, whatever you need, they have it at College Corner. It is time once again to relive and revive the greatest rivalry in sports entertainment journalism. Ben Garrett from the Ole Miss Spirit joins us here on the College Corner Hotline. Hello, Ben Hello, friend. Hey, what's going you? on, man? I'm doing good. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, I know. It's been too much. You co-hosted my podcast two months ago. I did. Can you believe? It, 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 and at that point, you know, there was still a lot of hope for both of these teams, and now there's not so much. You remember when the Egg Bowl mattered five years ago? <laughs> it was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those days are. Doesn't matter so much anymore. So, all right. So I'm splitting this up between you and and the uh, the other. The other guy, Brian Scott Rippey. I'm splitting this this interview up between the two of you. Uh, you and I are going to talk about the Ole Miss offense versus Mississippi State's defense. First and foremost... Can I just cut you off and say that I'm disappointed? About what? You and I do this podcast, or have done this interview, this joint... Yeah. No, I had Rippey last year. I had Rippey last year. Oh, so you split it up last year and just didn't tell me. I may not have, yeah. You behind my back. I have to ha- the guy is my coworker. i got to have him on. Okay. Plus, so you I was your co-worker for what seven years, but okay. Well, you know, are you really a co-worker if you don't get paid? Ooh. We sort of volunteered at the same organization. Oh, it's good for a while. It's okay, a- I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> when you watch the Ole Miss offense, when you watch John Rice Plumley, do you ever get the impression you're watching Mississippi State for the past couple of years and Nick Fitzgerald and what the Bulldogs were doing? Now that now that you mentioned it, kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, this is a take that I've had on my podcast for two weeks. Okay. I honestly believe that the issue is not John Rice Pumley's inability to pass so much as Rich Rodriguez is, I think at this point, renowned as a poor quarterback's coach to where passers don't improve under Rich Rodriguez. So moving forward, if John Rice Pumley is your quarterback, he is. He's the franchise moving forward. Wouldn't it serve Matt Luke then – to potentially go out and at least entertain the possibility of bringing in the quarterback's coach. Because I look at Rich Rod and the offense, the numbers on the rushing end are dynamic. Mm-hmm. But passing-wise, there's a lack of creativity. you got a lot of unrest amongst the wide receivers group. You've already got two that have entered the portal. A couple of more that, if, if they had to choose today, would probably lean toward the portal. There's a lot that Ole Miss is having to juggle, and that's because of an inability to pass. So, in my opinion, if you're moving forward with this, which you are, because Rich Rod is not getting another job this offseason, I think it's in the best interest of Ole Miss to go out and get a quarterback's coach because I think the passing is in there. I really do. Mm-hmm. But you're not helping out your young quarterback when you're only running two guys out on a route, for example. Right. It just doesn't work that way. What, what's going to happen with Matt Corral? He's going to transfer. You think? Okay. No, you never know. I heard two weeks ago that it was pretty much a done deal to Oregon. Now that's wow, really Oregon. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. 
put too much stock into that. Don't go saying, oh, Spirit Ben, you're wrong. Not, I'm saying purely speculative. Why do I sound like that? Why do, why do well, I have to have that voice? Well, I was more or less. That, 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 you don't, don't you go attacking people. I mean, this is an attack-free zone. Joel has made right. this a much kinder and gentler podcast. I love Joel. Yeah. He's so much nicer than you. But you're a big soft teddy bear, though. It's you can act tough all you want. What? I'm 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 very 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 uh very very abrasive. Uh, so the, the Ole Miss running game it, it really is incredible when you think you know what Ole Miss has been the past couple of years and what State's been the past couple of years for for me to say that Ole Miss is so much better in the backfield than State. You know, Kylan Hill might be the best back in the state, but for depth and for you know creativity for what they're doing. And how they use their playmakers, the Ole Miss backfield really is incredible. And it looks like, from what I, what Rippy was telling me on the podcast, that they're going to have Scotty Phillips back this week. I mean, that's a three-headed monster back there. And then you add Plumley to it. Is it more a question of can State contain them? Because I don't, I don't think stopping is an answer. It's going to be hard to contain them because they do what they do. You know what they're going to do, and they're still producing anyway. It's kind of baffling to me. Every team that goes up against Ole Miss now knows what they're going to come out and do, and yet they continue to have success. I agree with you about Kylan Hill right now being the best running back of the two programs, but if I'm having to buy stock in one running back, it's Jerry on Ely. That yeah. kid's going to be a superstar. I mean, that's an NFL running back. Scotty Phillips, even before he got hurt, had had his carries go down in more of a timeshare with Jerry on Ely and Snoop Conner. And it was not his fault. You know, I think everybody to a man can agree that Scotty Phillips is a good running back. Yeah. He's probably going to get a chance in the NFL. But in this style of offense and what they do with the run variation of the spread, Jerry Neely, Snoop, Connor have been more adept um, to this particular style to where Scotty Phillips last year, with all the space in the wide receivers of Phil Longo, had more opportunities and he had no competition. So it's unfortunate that Scotty is going out like this to where he's not the bell cow that I think he would be pretty much anywhere else, but you're right, the depth of Ole Miss's running game is made that much more impressive when you factor in the fact that John Rice Plumley is probably the fastest of all of them. And in the open field, he and Jerry on Ely would make a case um, for the other one, but I would argue that he's every bit the dangerous impact weapon in the open field is a Jerry on Ely, and that's saying something because that's coming from your quarterback. And if you're Ole Miss, the hope is and I'm not comparing him to Johnny Manziel. He'll never be Johnny Manziel. But can you be a poor man's Johnny Manziel before you leave college? Because he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. But can he be a really strong college quarterback? I think he can be that. It's all about the passing game. But I think the run element has already opened up and proven to be dynamic for him. And I want to give Brian Haydad credit. I called it a couple of months ago and got vilified on Ole Miss message boards everywhere saying that I didn't think Matt Corral was going to finish the year as the starting quarterback for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Two months ago, when you were on my podcast, mm-hmm. you straight up said, John Rice Plumley's the quarterback, right? It, to you, it seemed even more obvious. To everyone outside of the Ole Miss bubble at that time, and I'm not using bubble in a negative connotation, I mean the people who were seeing Ole Miss every week. Those of us who are just yeah. watching the games and seeing the highlights – we're like, this kid is much better than Corral. He just brings something that you didn't He has the have. it factor. I'm not just talking about, yeah, I'm not just talking about his ability to run. He's taken over this program. Now, they tried to have Matt Corral take over this program. They took him to SEC Media Day yeah. as a redshirt freshman, having never started a game. Right. 
they were making him the franchise, but John Rice Plumley, unfortunately for Matt, when he got hurt with the rib injury, came in and he gave Ole Miss a jolt of energy. Because mm. I think that just as it's the case with Mississippi State at Ole Miss right now, there's just this sense of lethargic malaise, lack of excitement. Just yet, yeah, malaise. That's perfect. Like a lethargic malaise. Yeah. Across both programs, and for Ole Miss fans out there, you can nitpick John Rice Plumley all you want, and I can understand the concerns from his inability to throw the ball with any kind of real success so far. But at least he gives you something because you know Matt Luke's coming back in 2020. So John Rice Plumley, that's where you can put your hope. Jerry Ely, that's where you can put your hope, and that's promising moving forward to at least be a competitive football team for the foreseeable future. Now, again, in 2014, <laughs> this game. So much more. Yeah. But here we go. Connor is the most interesting guy because you want to continue the Mississippi State parallels. This kid's the diamond in the rough, right? Three-star kid. I think Ole Miss may have been his only SEC offer. And he's come in and torn it up. They offered him, if not the day before signing day, a couple of days before signing right. day. And he committed and switched from Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. And, and he's been you good. Look at him, you wonder, what were these coaches, not just Ole Miss, but across the board, what did they not see? Yeah. Because he looks like everything you would want, not necessarily in an every down back, but my gosh, man, he's been incredibly effective so far. But you see that all the time, right? Yeah. There, there are particular coaching staff that find guys like a Snoop Connor mm-hmm. and see something. There used to be one here in Starkville. Yeah, yeah. And, but Derek Nix fought hard for him. He really wanted him, and he got him. He's come on campus. He's been successful. I mean, look at Alabama terrible to ever compare Ole Miss and Mississippi State to Alabama, but they did it with Josh Jacobs. Josh yeah. Jacobs was not a high-profile recruit, but Nick Saban, he fought for him. He said, that's my guy. I like this guy. And Derek Nix did that with Snoop Connor. Thank God he did because, as you mentioned earlier, the depth at running back is certainly something, if nothing else, in a 4-7 and seven season, the depth at running back is something they can hang their hat on. When we talked a couple months ago, the, the offensive line was the big issue at Ole Miss. They were, they were just not good. They, they, I remember the first game and Rippey talking about it was almost criminal what they were doing out there. They were leaving Matt Corral just completely unprotected. How have they gotten better throughout the season? Well, one, I think that just playing time in general has helped them. Yes, they were newcomers, but they were guys that had been in the program for a while. But you can't in any way replicate live bullets. You can practice it and you can rep it, but until you're in those games, in those moments, having to make those decisions, those quick combo blocks in real time, you've got to see it. Because if you don't see it, you're not going to be effective. And Ole Miss was dealing with four new starters on the offensive line effectively. Well, Ben Brown, he returned, but Alex Gibbons, he was banged up. I mean, from April, I think, until practices, or maybe the first game against Memphis, he had no contact whatsoever there was concern initially that he might miss the season. This back issue was so bad. But he's been able to play through it. Um, but they didn't have Alex Givens at full health. So, basically, you were running out four new starters because Alex Givens was playing limited playing time. And it was going to take some time. And I think what's made that group get better is the fact that they've stayed relatively healthy. Eli Johnson's been put through the ringer. He's had an ankle injury, a knee injury. He's played through it. A wrist injury. He's played through it. But playing through that and having that same starting five for the most part all year, I think has been such a benefit. It reminds me of the first year of Hugh Freeze when they started the same five offensive linemen every single week because they had no depth that year. Had they had, had they have had to go to the 
well for any other guy that year, oh, my God, Brian, they were screwed. They had nobody. And they stayed completely healthy, won seven games, the BVA Compass Bowl, and um, that was the big reason why I think this group is benefiting from that as well. But also, it helps when you have a quarterback like John Rice Plumlee that can soften up some things, some lanes, some running lanes, create with his feet. And if you notice, John Rice is not standing back there and assessing the field, right? Right. He's not going to look past his first and second read. If the first and second read isn't there, that kid's probably taking off. Maybe that can help explain why they only run a couple of guys out on routes every once in a while, or on third and ten, how many times you've seen them throw short, like five yards, hoping, I guess, that an Elijah Moore is going to get five yak yards. It's bizarre. But that's helped, is that they don't have a quarterback that's standing back there for any any extended length of time um, and trying to survey the field and throw it downfield. I tell you, the group that's actually switched places with the offensive line as far as becoming the concerning unit on the on the field, and that's the wide receivers. Yeah. Outside of Elijah Moore, they've had nothing. And Jonathan Mingo's shown flashes, mm-hmm. but and Dennis Jackson has too, and I think Dontario Drummond has a chance, but they've had this issue all year of not being able to get off the line of scrimmage, get separation, one-on-one separation, which you have to get at this level. So everyone's bitching and complaining about John Rice Palmy not being able to complete passes, but every one of the passes he's thrown in one-on-one coverage, they're not winning 50-50 balls, but they're not getting separation either outside of Elijah Moore. And when you only got one wide receiver, the school of Mississippi State can attest to this because y'all dealt with wide receiver issues for years. When you only got one guy that you can count on, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, It's going to be a lack of success. A.J. Brown is not here. D.K. Metcalf is not here. I would venture to say if those two, just those two, or just bring back Demarcus Lodge in one of those two, it would be a totally different passing game for John Rice Plumley. but he isn't afforded those weapons. So, If I tell you that, if I'm Bob Shoup and I tell you, Ben, I'm just going to tell Willie Gay to spy John Rice Plumley and go wherever he goes, am I, am I going to have success against him? No, he's going to run by you. <laughs> he's oh. just that fast. He is that fast. Willie Gay is fast. Willie Gay is a good athlete. I, he's the he's the he is the guy yeah. on this defense. I think that has the best chance of containing Plumlee in the pocket. I would agree with that, but you're you're going to get beat more often than not. Mm-hmm. LSU it, spied him. Yeah, still couldn't slow him down. So is it is the problem it, in that game is that. Ole Miss defensively was, was absolutely atrocious. Well, LSU's been that's not on that's not on the Ole Miss defense. I don't think as much as it is LSU's yeah. offense. But, but you get what I'm saying. Like they spy John Rice Palmer. They stacked the box, and he still was able to get by. So, um, but I do agree with you that Willie Gay gives them the best opportunity to get stops that they otherwise wouldn't get with anybody else. By that same token, Willie Gay is a hell of an athlete. One thing I said, I think on, I think I said it last week was, it's not what Plumley does that's going to beat Mississippi State. It's you know, Plumlee gets 150 yards rushing, okay. But it's when you give up another 100 yards to Ely and another 75 to Connor, yeah. that's the problem. So yeah. is State better served just saying to Plumlee, get what you get and we're going we're gonna to try to bottle up everything else? But how do you do that? Well, I mean, that's, that's the question, yeah. Does, yeah, I mean, a lot of what he does is improvising. And he his ability to make the first guy miss, I think – is something that is not being talked about enough. We all see him running away from defenders, even against the best team in the country in LSU, mm. running away from guys. But it's the, the initial contact that he's getting, getting through or the initial tackler that he's breaking the ankles of to make those runs. I think 
that Mississippi State will do the exact same thing that every other defense has tried to do because it's the only thing that you can do, and if you do it well, it's going to work. They're going to stack the box. They're going to challenge Ole Miss's wide receivers one-on-one. Ole Miss is going to come out and try to pass. They're not going to have success, and then it becomes a game. That's what will ultimately happen. And what you have to wonder then is can State hold up over the course of a game, or can Ole Miss soften up that coverage that one-on-one press to a well, Miles Battle didn't hear anymore, but to a, a Jonathan Mingo, a Danis Jackson, can they soften up that coverage to where they can get that defense to back up, open up that space, and allow John Rice Plumley to cook? That's where the battle will be won or lost for both of these teams, because Mississippi State, just like every other team, is going to come out and treat this offense as they should. We're going to stack the box against you. We're going to go one-on-one with your two wide receiver sets. And if you can pass on us, great, but we're not going to let you run. Ole Miss has to be able to complete some balls downfield. Because I think the reason why early against LSU, or why eventually against LSU they were able to have success is because early on they came out throwing. The first play of the game was a 30, 40-yard completion to Elijah Moore. And the second throw, or the second play of the game was another throw. It was a duck. It was a horrible throw by John Rice Plumley. Elijah Moore's wide open. If he completes it to him, that's a walk-in touchdown, but it softened LSU up enough to where John Rice Plumley was able to cook. So that's what I think will ultimately happen. That's where the game will be won or lost for both teams. Is there any concern with the Ole Miss coaching staff that they don't have a ton of film of what State's defense is going to look like with Autry Gay and Marcus Murphy back out there? That's a great question. I think you prepare for the best players on a defense being there no matter what, right? Even if there's not film, you know at least a body of work for these guys. You know what they are. So it's not like Ole Miss is going to be surprised at what they could potentially bring defensively. Um, but there is that unknown because they haven't been out there enough this year to where you can actually get a good gauge of what this defense looks like with them on the field. But Mississippi State defensively, it's been a battle all year for y'all, right? Right. So, but but the three games that Gay and Murphy have played in, Autry played in a separate game from those two. The the the, the, okay. the, the, two, the games you've had Willie Gay and Mar- and Marcus Murphy were probably State's best games. Now, granted, one of them was against Arkansas. You know, not a whole lot to take from that. But the other <laughs> one was against Kentucky, and I mean they looked really really sharp. And even against Tennessee, where you, that was like the Tennessee is the only game this year where you had the full complement where Autry played along with Gay and Murphy. And I mean, I know State lost, but it wasn't on the defense that day. There were there it was yeah. thirteen to ten in the uh with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That's not on your defense that you that you lost that day. Where do you think score wise this game is gonna be played? I think it's like, in, it's middle of the third quarter. What's the score? Twenty eight twenty four, something like that. I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. Oh. oh. I think I, be, I, th- I think there's gonna be big plays in this game. You think it's gonna be a low scoring game? I just don't think that these teams are going to go up and down the field on each other. I, I, I just see, you know, Plumlee and that, that offense has been able to run the ball on just about everybody. Kylan Hill, outside of, like, the really good defenses, has been able to run the ball. And Stevens has looked... Oh, well, you know my total fandom for Kylan Hill. You're, you're, you're a mark. You are a mark for Kylan Hill. Been that way since his recruitment, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting with his recruitment now, looking back. That I mean, not that I don't think I think he was always coming to state, but maybe Ole Miss would have been better served going after Kylan Hill than Cam Akers. 
I think they had a better shot because of all the NCAA stuff, even though Cam was always going to keep Ole Miss in his, in his top five. Mm-hmm. The NCAA stuff was a non-starter for one person in his family, and I'll just leave it at that. Right. So I think you're right. They would have had a better chance had they just full-court pressed Kylan to maybe get him to come to Ole Miss. I think I he was always like – I think I don't think he would have come, but it might have been no. a smarter move. Right. Looking it back. It would have given him something to think about, and there would have been more of a – Sweating action for Mississippi State so, up until signing day. I still believe it had gone to state. Let me ask you this, and, and this will be the wrap up question then. Uh, you say you think it's going to be a low scoring game. What is it about MSU's defense that you think can contain the Ole Miss offense? I don't know. Um, every corner, every defensive backfield has been able to limit Ole Miss's wide receivers. So mm-hmm. if there's competency in that defensive backfield for Mississippi State, I'll counterpoint you there. I'll counterpoint you. State's okay. best defensive back won't be guarding Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore works out of the slot mostly, right? Yes. And I, I don't see them moving Cam Dantzler inside to that. So you're going to be that's on. That's interesting. He's not a cornerback then that just falls around the best receiver. I think yeah. you only really see that in the NFL, though. Right? You do. You don't. You don't. Uh, he plays the boundary or, or the or the field, whatever it is. He's on his side basically. They're not. They're not. They're, they're not putting him. They're not, and they're definitely not putting him on the slot. I don't think. If they did, that well, would be then, smart. But Well, you know Cam Dantzler is going to shut down probably whoever he lines up against. Right. It could be Jonathan Minko, Ontario Drummond. Neither of those guys have proven to consistently be able to get separation off the line of scrimmage and give a throwing, pa- throwing passing lane to a John Rice Plumley. So Elijah Moore limiting him in the slot, whoever is lined up against him in the slot, and bracketing coverage with safeties over him, I think that's where Mississippi State could really cause problems for Ole Miss because they're going to be able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do whatever you want to do. You can load the box. Everybody has. They're going to have success running the ball. It's to what end are they running the ball and in the red zone opportunities because Ole Miss has not had very much success at all kicking field goals this year. Luke Logan has been bad, and yet Matt Luke, conservative, conservative as he is, continues to <laughs> – not play for four downs, play for three downs, and settle for a field goal if he feels like the situation calls for it, by the book calls for it, and Luke Logan misses a 36-yarder. So there you go. Let him get to the red zone. And then John Rice Palmley, get him in second, third, and long. They're going to throw short, yeah. and then they're going to try a field goal, and Luke Logan's probably going to miss. We'll see what happens. I think it's, I think it's the opposite. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, really, I feel like I don't have a winner yet. I haven't made my prediction. But I'm thinking something like 38, 31, or something like that. No, I, th- I think you've turned me. I really do. Okay. Well, yeah. You know what? Don't if, if I can change and you can change, we all can change. That's what I would say. Are you all in on Keith Lee? Yeah, he's really good. I, I enjoyed watching Takeover. I thought that was a a, a, a good card. I had, it was my first time yeah, to see him that too. Power bomb terrains was just oh, that was fantastic. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. I will also be joining Ben on his podcast, Talk of Champions. Uh, Will that be coming out? Will will that be coming out today as well? By today, I mean tomorrow. No, it's coming out on Thanksgiving morning. On Thanksgiving morning, so check that out uh, over there. You can get my thoughts on the Egg Bowl. Of course, you'll have them on Thunder and Lightning as well. Ben Garrett from the Ole Miss Spirit and my friend. Thanks for joining us. Love you,
Mississippi Media Production.